inside the crazy ant farm. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my goodness, we are so excited. <laughs> uh, this guy's a huge Shondaland fan. So, it's so true. okay, <laughs> Station 19. You know, you. We, oh my goodness, we're wow. both both fans of the show. I'm a fan oh. of Lone Star 911, and one of my favorite episodes was definitely yours. So we're going to talk about that. <laughs> And, Amazing. And anybody who's known me for any period of time knows that I am a massive Marilyn Monroe fan. Have been my whole life. So I'm super excited to talk to you about that upcoming project. Oh, cool. So, uh, yeah, we've got a little bit to talk about with you. Oh, great. Oh, great. Let's <laughs> right? get comfy. Exactly. Awesome. Right. But what we like to do to kind of start off the interviews is kind of give a, a background on where how you got started, right, for the listeners who might not be familiar with you. So, was acting something always on the radar? Was it something you always kind of wanted to do? Or how did you kind of fall into it? Yeah, acting was always something that I wanted to do. And I never, you know, as a kid was not thinking of it as necessarily a profession that was even possible for me living in the Midwest, having no connections. Um, uh, but I was performing all the time. I mean, in hindsight, I was probably a very annoying child. Yeah. Making my, <laughs> you know, just always with the song and dance and making my parents sit on the couch and watch and, you know, forcing my siblings to be a part of it. And um, um, I was just Always, always, always performing. There you yeah, go. Always. Yeah. <laughs> and then I did all the plays, all the musicals in high school, uh, you know, studied it in college and um, uh, yeah, I have been doing it for a very, very long time. I love well, that. You're like 22. How, how long can it be? Like, I mean, come Thank on. you. Thank you so much. Yes, 22. Uh, <laughs> well, you yes, said Midwest. Absolutely. Where Midwest? Wisconsin. Ooh, oh, very I'm, interesting. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm from Milwaukee. I'm from the big city in Wisconsin, which is Milwaukee. There you and go. Turns out is not a huge city in the scheme of things. So, right? No, uh, I, yeah. I understand. I'm from Indianapolis. So I've, when you said Midwest, I was like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just trying to venture out and go other places because you realize like where you're at is not necessarily the best place to be when you want to <laughs> jump into the entertainment industry. So yeah. talk about that a little bit. Coming from Milwaukee and then going to L.A., was that transition something crazy huge that you thought – Oh man, let's see what happens. <laughs> I, I, before she starts, I just I'm just gonna say, I mean, Milwaukee's not that bad. I mean, it's happy days in Laverne and Shirley. I bro. mean, you know, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Happy days, Laverne and Shirley, and all the cheese one could ever <laughs> of want. Of course, of course. <laughs> okay, so what was that transition like? <laughs> okay. So um uh so it was um it was something that I had planned for and thought about for a very long time. Um when I was in college, um I did a play, um, I think it was my sophomore, junior year, my first professional play in the city of Milwaukee. And um, some of these fantastic artists that I had really looked up to for years, when I finally got the chance to work with them, they said, if you want to make money in this, get out of the city. Right. Um, um, you got to get out because there was a married couple and he had just turned 50 and had a heart attack and they were uninsured. Um, but they had made some of the most amazing art for years in yeah. this city. And she was like, if you want to have like a foundation and some stability and like, you've got to make money at this and you have to get out mm -hmm. of the city. Um, um, so I had been plotting and plotting for quite a long time. And by plotting, I mean, um, I had interviewed everyone I'd ever met who had moved to Los Angeles. Yeah. And I wanted to know some of like the business stuff, right? Of course. Right. How do you get an agent? Mm -hmm. Um, 
there's a commercial agent and theatrical. What does that mean? What are the two? How are the two different? Do they look for things differently? What are headshots like? How do you format your resume? And then I also wanted to know some um, basic survival things. So I was very interested in people's budgets. Mm. What do you spend on groceries? What do you spend on gas? Um, the first job that you got, how did you get it? How far did you drive? Uh, how long did you drive for? When you meet casting directors, how much... Um, uh, how much does it cost to take one of their classes and how often do you meet them and how long before you actually see results? So I had really put in a lot of work up front yeah. before, before ever driving my Mercury Tracer out to Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, and, and the first year out of college, I was touring with a theater company. So I was, um, making money, but also they paid for my housing and for my transportation. Uh, so I was squirreling away money for, um, for a long time. And, um, so by the time I actually got out to Los Angeles, I felt like I had, um, uh, a, 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 the strongest foundation I could have made for myself. Um, still there were a lot of weaknesses that I had things that just, I just, um, you kind of can't explain it to someone they have to experience right it oh yeah oh yeah um um and a couple of those experiences were like really rude awakenings um but um but i gave myself the best foundation i could um uh, i knew that it was like all up to me it was mm -hmm. it was it was all up to me and all on my shoulders and um so i i, I wanted to just come out with a little bit of a uh, knowledge foundation if well, that makes sense uh, I mean, uh, just uh, we're sitting here like, wow, yeah. because I, I, single-handedly, that is the most prepared we have ever had yeah. any guests say that they were <laughs> prior to going out there. That was like a war plan, like going out there. That is just like fantastic. And the fact that you had some money to go out there. Yeah. I mean, you were like literally Maybe. the first guest we have ever had on that said, well, this is how it happened. I'm like, <laughs> wow, that's incredible. Like, Thank, uh, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, my you. goodness. Everybody <laughs> listening right now, that's the way to do it right there. Like, oh, my gosh, man. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't want to move back. I want. I really, really wanted to be a success. Yes. Um, so I, I um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course. Well, so you said you were touring, right? You were doing theater. Yeah. You did all the plays and everything. Uh, mm -hmm. Was theater the goal? Was that like what you were going out there to do? I want to continue to work in that in that field and, and kind of make money there. Or did you know that you eventually wanted to jump to film and television? What, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I wanted to jump to film and television. And um, a couple of things uh, – um, uh, came to light for me. One being that um, I really knew that if I wanted to get into TV and film, they say it's um, uh, getting in while you're young is better than like, you know, um, doing theater for the first 20 years after I moved out of here out to Los Angeles and then around 40, then trying to get into the business. I just knew that that would be more challenging. Mm -hmm. um, and then I remember when like Scarlett Johansson won a Tony award um, and I thought, okay, movie star, you, so you got to be a movie star to do the theater. Okay. Right. All right. Um, um, so I really thought it, could, it will, will always be there for me. It will sure. always be there for me. But I knew that – I just know that this, the TV and film business, or at least in my mind, was harder to break into. And I wanted every, I wanted every advantage on my side. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, yeah. 
Did you find going from the stage to in front of the camera difficult? Because, you know, we, we've had a lot of guests on that started in theater and it's all about acting big and playing to the back, right? And kind of, so did you find that difficult? Yeah, absolutely. And and really what was most difficult about it is I, I knew that I had, that I was theater trained and like was sort of set up that way. I was sort of like, my thermometer was sort of uh, set for theater. You know what I mean? Right. My, uh, uh, so I kept reverting to like theater. Um, um, uh, uh, not thermometer, thermostat. It's <laughs> 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 all good. We know what you meant. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Um, uh, and I knew where I wanted to be. I knew what I wanted to be doing is TV and film work. And I was like, I don't know what the transition is. I knew I'm here. I know I'm here and I know I want to get here. What is that transition? Right. That was hardest for people to, uh, that was the hardest for me to figure out and break down. Um, and I also was like, I felt like, dang, people don't respect theater out here. Like it felt like I, um, I, that was kind of blew me away. Um, uh, whereas I feel like theater people who can do theater are some of the most talented individuals I've ever met in my life. Um, um, so to sort of feel a little bit of like the disrespect, kind of like, oh, you're done theater, um, um, uh, really, really bothered me. I can so, imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what I have found, if you don't mind me saying, um, is I think of, um, if, if I am on stage and I am a light source, my light has to shine to the sides, to the people on the back, all the way in the balcony. They have to get my gestures and my voice and my expression. But instead of like keeping that light out like that for theater, if you sort of bring it, uh, bring it in, make it as compact and potent as a laser and just talk to one person. Um, so I'm just making eye contact with you and I'm just talking with you rather than talking to you, but also talking so that everyone can see me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I keep thinking about lasering it in what I, what I, what I call lasering it in so that, um, because I don't want to change the character work that I've done or the environment, the relationships, the stakes, all that good stuff that I have. It's just for me, a really a matter of like making my light source a little more compact and potent mm. for camera. There you go. Yeah. That's very freaking interesting. I love hearing that because I love hearing different people's processes because everything's different for each individual and some things work for some people and some things don't work for other people. So I love hearing different people's uh, thought process. But I want to talk about the big one, the one that I'm super excited about, Station 19. Man, oh, man, do I love Shondaland. Literally everything. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Are you watching Grey's Anatomy right now? I am. And, sta and Station 19. And woo, um, I don't know when this will air, but they just had a crossover event last week that, yep. like, Blew me away. I just know. Blew me away. I know. Do you, okay. No, go ahead. I, I'm just going to get into the show now. I mean, do you think Link and Amelia will get back together? Oh, my God. Um, I think it would be great. I hope so. I hope I think so. It would be great. Man, I just love Amelia Shepard. Um, 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 I, think, I think they would be great together. I think she just. I mean, when he proposed to her, yeah. just like the the look on her face, yeah, like, what, what, utter what? shock. Yeah, I think, I think, I think she'll come around. I, sh I think, I, I think she'll come. Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. Yeah, well, you never know. You know what we won't see? Who didn't get a chance to propose? Jack and. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've forgiven you. It's okay. It's fine. Uh, you you did the right thing, but it still hurt. It's fine. So, <laughs> seriously, though, the way it kind of ended, 
there's a chance you could come back, right? Like, That's I mean, right. Yeah, there's always that chance you could come back. I mean, That's that was right. there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I, I really enjoyed the building of the relationship, right? And I think a lot of people have kind of like been in that situation, right? Where it's not really like a romantic love, but you are in love with the idea of a family and being wanted and being in a place where where you have something like that. And I mean, I think that's, I think your story arc went over so well with the fans because a lot of people have found themselves in that situation, right? Gosh, thank you so much for saying that. Yeah, I think so. And I really think there were (laughs) um, unique factors at play of like, um, um, you know, just getting out of like an abusive relationship. Um, um, Jack had the trauma of Rigo's death from yep. the season before. Yep. Um, um, also the pandemic where yep. like they can't, can't spend time with each other until Marsha goes into the hospital and he has to come live with us. Right. <laughs> like, there was just, there were just a lot of factors that I, that are so unique to our story, but actually like every human and mm-hmm. every relationship has these crazy unique factors, whether it's, um, whether, whether it's everything, I mean, it could be the pandemic, but also, um, like just, just your everyday health issues or kids or working, um, um, perhaps multiple jobs or wanting to go back to school and thinking, do I, um, uh, do I give up school so I can spend more time with this person? Mm -hmm. Then who will, then who will I be? Will I always resent them? So I, that's one of the things that I love about Shondaland is the thing, the, um, challenges and the obstacles of every character seem so extreme right. but they're actually right. but they're actually quite similar to what I think a lot of humans go through I mean, um and yeah no I was gonna say yeah definitely because I felt like I connected with Jack because I feel like when you're an inherently good human being a good person yeah. You don't want to not help people. So, you yeah. know, here's the, here's this here's this woman and she's a mother and she's got this child and and and, and all of this not not to even mention going into the whole hearing impaired kind of storyline yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah. And Jack is just this good guy. He's like, "How can I not help get her out of this relationship? How can I not do the right thing by her?" Because I feel like you that's what you do when you're a good person, right? You can't just walk away from that. So, I, I think a lot of guys connected to him is like, "No, yeah, that's the right thing to do." That's that's the right thing to do. So I know I did. And then I was still heartbroken when he was going to propose. <laughs> and then, it's like, I know this is right, but damn it. Oh, oh man. man. I love it. Yes. I loved, I love Jack. I love the character of Jack. He is a good person. Yes. In there. Yes. Um, um, and, um, and, I, I really do. I would love for Inara to be part of it, but I really do hope that Jack gets, gets, uh, a, a happy life, a happy life. Yeah. Agreed. And I mean, you brought it up talking <laughs> about Shondaland. She and the whole production company in general are so good about touching on the topics that need to be talked about, mm-hmm. like the abusive relationship and the just LGBTQ community and just so many different things. And I think it's very important because people need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable in situations Mm. and having that conversation. So I think Shondaland and all of her shows are a great uh, bridge builder to having that conversation and just having that open dialogue with anyone you're watching the show with or Twitter. And we know Twitter's kind of crazy sometimes. Um, okay. But just to have that open conversation with anyone and everyone that is willing to have it. So I just love everything they put out. Oh, good. Me too. Yeah, I love that they have 
therapy sessions. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. I really love that they bring in the idea um, of um, a program for um, um, Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous. I love that they show them attending meetings, whether it's via Zoom, spending time with their sponsor. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of incredible. Like, they go there. And it's not always cute, right? No, not can't always be wrapped up in a bow. But the more that I feel TV and film can reflect the actual human experience, uh-huh. the good, the bad, the ugly, um, um, the more it becomes a tool for actually growth and healing and more compassion and understanding. And I know that sounds very much... Um, uh, sort of, uh, it just sounds so extra, right? Peace yeah. and understanding and love for each other. <laughs> right. But that—that's what we're—that's what we're trying to do is fill as as storytellers. That's right. No matter, exactly. Whatever, whatever way that is. Yeah. We talk about that all the time. That was the purpose of our film too, because we believe in the fact that the best way to inform and educate people is through entertainment. Because mm-hmm. if you just kind of sit down and have a conversation about uncomfortable situations, people don't really want to talk because they're uncomfortable. But if you get them in front of a screen and they're watching and, and they're relating, and then, then it becomes a little bit more easy to talk about what you just saw. And I think, mm-hmm. I, I think it is good that storytellers and creators are, are, able to do that because it's needed and if we can't do it who can right so I think that's great I do want to talk about did you know or did they approach you for the role because of your background because for anybody because we didn't really talk about that uh with your uh past coming into the acting but with sign language and everything, you actually tore, you were the only hearing person in like an all deaf tour, right? You went on tour with this like group, with yeah. theater group, which is incredible. When they, when, when you auditioned for that role, what, I mean, did you know that it was going to involve a child with, with hearing impairment or, I mean, how was that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, um, so I auditioned for this role, for the role of Inara. It was written as a one-episode guest star. Uh-huh. And I had been in for that casting office, uh, Linda Lowy's casting office. That was my 15th audition. 15th audition. Yeah. And I had been, um, like, p- what they call pinned for the role, which is, like, one of two people they're looking at. I right. called back, director sessions, um, and had never, ever booked for them. And so I was brought in for this one episode, and I was like, well, if there's any time, I'm going to get it. It's going to be it's going to be." This <laughs> And then, and then I have this experience where I go into the waiting room and I'm like, oh, they have that person here. Oh, this person's here. Amazing. These like incredible, <laughs> incredible actors who um, also know sign language. So I thought, well, dang it. Dang it. Um, maybe the next one. Um, but I went in and um, gave my audition and then um, booked it. And then um, Gray Damon, who plays Jack Gibson, um, he and I had um, – um, we had good chemistry, but I had also been trying when we were um, on location to build chemistry with him and um, and Ansel, who plays Marcus, trying to build chemistry because um, because Marcus Ansel was very isolated, right. not having not having anyone to sort of chit chat. So I was building the bridge, sort of making sure that things were comfortable, that he was talked to, that he could tell this joke to the director. Um, so we we had a lot of. Um, chemistry sounds like such an empty word for it, but we had a lot of like amazing experiences together for that first episode. And um, uh, and by the time that episode wrapped, the director, Stacey K. Black, who's now an executive producer of the show, she said, I'm pitching you to the writers as a love interest for, Zach, for Jack. <laughs> and I said, okay. <laughs> um, so they ended up bringing me back for, I think, uh, 13 or 14 more episodes. Yeah. So, 
Oh, it was just wonderful. <laughs> it was just so good. But I think um, storyline-wise, Jack needed a win, right? At the right. end of season three. Um, you know, be, after Rigo's death, um, people in his own, in, in, within the Station 19 were upset at him. And they were like, you don't do that, man. Like, that's one of our brothers. Like, right. Um, so Jack needed a little bit of redemption. Yes. Um, um, and so I think it was kind of perfect timing for him to be redeemed via rescuing this mother and child and then sort of becoming a bit of a father figure, yep. um, similar to Pruitt for, um, for Ansel. So, yeah, it was like, it was just, it was, man. Are you, are you totally getting the vibe? Not only, not a, well, kudos to you. You don't get brought back for 14 more episodes or, or have the director say, I'm pitching you as this, this character, if not for your, your talent, yeah. right? You, you immediate, like I said, you immediately connected to the audience. You could see the chemistry. You could see the background there. You could tell that you put the work in to develop this, you know, the relationship and the characters. And that's why, obviously. And then, but, but hearing you talk, it's like, not only are we getting this awesome perspective from you coming from playing the role in the character but you could clearly tell you were a fan you're just like oh, yeah. dropping references to old school episodes and everything it was like no i am clearly in on this he needed a win come on like that's so great that you can that because how awesome is that to be a part of something that you're a fan of right that that's like yeah. living the dream right there absolutely living the dream absolutely living the dream and i had wanted to be a part of sean the lamp for so long that i would i was just studying you know i thought i would i i uh, was just studying by watching um all the shows um and um i would listen to shonda's book year of yes on repeat yes um and just go for long walks and listen to her cadence and listen to a lot of her values and the things that she talks about are reflected in the shows, even though she's no longer the showrunner of Station 19 or Grey's Anatomy. That's right. Krista. But um, uh, I wanted to be a part of it for so long. I actually have this chalkboard and I would write down um, my goals. And um, when they're done, I would um, erase them. And Shondaland was on there for so long, it will not erase. Like the, the, the chalk worked its way into the chalkboard forever. I had just been like targeting it for so That's long. That's because Inara is coming back. That's it. It won't go oh! away because you're supposed to be coming back. You won't be able to erase it until your story's done and it's clearly not done. That's all. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Thank you. This is okay. so good. And I want to flip. I want to flip because like I said, I'm a huge Lone Star 911 fan and hey. that episode was so traumatic and just like Ooh. broke my heart because... Uh, who doesn't want people to show up for their birthday and then like nobody shows uh, first of all you must be a very endearing mother because you get all these roles and you're like just like oh she cares about her son didn't get a birthday oh yes, you know and like yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> but i mean and okay sure you know the ice cream people showed up because a horrible accident there right but hey you know i loved right. the episode i just i thought you did a, a fantastic job on it and um Everybody needs to check that episode out if you haven't. But just the relationship between you and the son and, and the Rob Lowe, you know, and, and going and saying, hey, man, it's all okay. It's all right. Yeah. Uh, you know, such a good storyline. And I think the reason that that one was really important is because if you miss those warning signs, if you mm -hmm. don't reach out, if you don't try to help then, those are the kids that go on to have more problems and more missed signs and potentially dangerous, right? Potentially yeah. anything from suicide to 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 anger to, to, you know, whatever, if you miss those signs. So I think that episode was so important to say, hey, look, as a parent or even just people outside, when there's something wrong, you've got to pay attention. You've got to notice what's good, you know, so kudos for Absolutely. that, man. Absolutely. Yeah, I so appreciate that. Yeah, and I loved how it tied together with 
um, Rob's character story, which yes. is he was feeling a bit, feeling a bit lost and lonely himself. Exactly. Exactly. Warning um, signs for adults too, right? Not just oh kids. Gosh. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, it took a, I think, um, you know, to be, to be his character and to say, you know what? Let's take an ice cream truck and we're going to go back and we're going to put the sirens on and we're going to have a party for this kid. Right. Um, I, that's, that's, I don't know. I just really love that there's, they're sort of closing the gap between um, uh, first responders, firefighters, policemen, and normal civilians. Yes. Um, close the gap. We're so much more similar to each other than, than, than we think. So, yeah. Yeah, cool for sure. And yeah. I mean, that episode deals a lot with mental health, but mental health is so real in real life. So how do you deal with mental health in such a industry kind of full of rejection? Mm. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> how long do we have? Um, um, well, um, that is hard. It's, it's, it is challenging. Yeah. It's really challenging and it's a real thing. Um, I think um, – I've really, I've really done my best to reframe in my mind, um, not getting a role. I used to think of it uh, as rejection or you, we hear a lot about the word rejection, rejection, which just immediately when I hear it feels like a little tense. Yeah. Um, um, and, uh, because I don't want that. I don't want not booking a role to have any impact on my feelings of self worth. Right. Because, um, um, because it can so easily become that if I'm not on set, if I'm not working, if I'm not on in um, taking a photo of me and my trailer, then I'm nothing. Um, um, that's it's such a um, waste of my life to be thinking about it in that way, a waste of my energy. Um, and also, it, I just miss opportunities to show up and live a life. Yeah. If I'm constantly thinking about how I'm not booking this or not getting there. Um, now, okay, so I talk a good game. It, it's really challenging because there'll be, um, I put an audition on tape, uh, man, like two weeks ago. And it was so fantastic. And then the casting calls and they want to see my demo reel. And I'm like, okay, it's so great. It's happening. Right. And then nothing, um, you know, not even like they went another way or um, um, they're keeping you in mind for something else. You just you just hear nothing. And so it's this it's a such a some. So so some of the challenge is the way that the business works, that you just don't hear. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you get these signals that they liked it. They want to see more. Mm-hmm. Um, just making sure that these dates are available, making sure that you're vaccinated and then nothing. Um, so I. Um, one thing that has helped me concretely is I try and plan something, schedule something for the day when I should hear the news, Mm. whether that's, um, like, uh, I'll take my, uh, goddaughter to the zoo and we can just get lost in the zoo for quite a while. Or, um, like there's a, um, little trade museum in Los Angeles, or I'll plan to go to like the flower market, just something that I have scheduled so that I'm not only scheduled to wait and see if I'm approved by the powers that be. There you um, go. That, yeah. That helps. That helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Of course, then when you're done and you come home and you're like, Damn it. <laughs> yeah. um, it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like uh chop wood carry water you know you just got to keep doing the doing the thing keep doing the thing right. when you're feeling bad about yourself great schedule something feeling bad about yourself call a friend feeling bad about yourself um, um get a coffee get into motion i think when i sort of like get a little isolated just sit and fold into my phone mm-hmm. or like um, watching, um, uh, watching crappy videos. Um, um, it can get, it can just, the darkness can get, can, um, can, 
just grow upon itself. It can. Um, so I just the the powers that sorry I'm going on a you're fine no, you're, you're fine good. you're good guys um, I feel like the the amount of energy that I put into pulling myself out of it has to be equal or hopefully greater to the um, sort of force that pulls me down right you know which is um, uh, not hearing from anything do I even matter I didn't get it someone must be more this more that more this um, um, also I didn't even get to tell anyone so no one knows it can right. just be such a like heavy gravitational right. um, pull to the dark side mm-hmm. that we have to sort of pull ourselves with as much power as as equal power or more to pull us to sort of um, the light side. I love yeah. that. And uh, a guest a couple weeks ago said this, uh, Tony Winters. He said that think of casting directors kind of like um, people who are looking to buy cars and think of mm. actors like certain cars. Maybe sometimes they're looking for Mercedes Benz. Maybe sometimes they're looking for that Lamborghini. Maybe sometimes yeah. they're looking for a Toyota. So if they didn't pick you this time around, they just weren't in the mood or looking for that certain type of car. So I thought that was a good like piece of something that would help definitely my brain because yeah. I'm an anxious <laughs> mental health uh, t- uh, individual. So I feel like that would definitely help me. So I wanted to pass that along to basically anyone and everyone that I we can talk that. to about that. So there I'm, you go. I love that so much. And if I look at my track record, all those 14 auditions that I didn't book, Mm-hmm. for the Shondaland world. Right. Yeah. If, if I had booked another role on Station 19 previously or another role that year on Grey's Anatomy, mm-hmm. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have been eligible. For right. right. Yep. So it's to remind myself that like, okay, um, this no or this rejection is just sort of a redirection for the perfect collaboration to come down the road. So. And, and you know, sometimes you mentioned that like you didn't hear anything. You didn't hear anything, right? Sometimes they don't ever tell you, but they are waiting. They're like, wow, she blew us away, but that's not it. That's not the role. And they right. and because we've had guests like that too. Jason Warner Smith pops in mind. He auditioned over and over and over and over for The Walking Dead and he just never got it, never got it, never got it. Mm-hmm. When he finally did get a role, they told him, hey man, from the first day you auditioned, it was a yes. It just wasn't that role. And we waited and waited and waited until your role came. And that's where, you know, you got it. So sometimes when you don't hear anything, it doesn't mean you didn't blow them away. It doesn't mean that you didn't, you know, knock it out of the park. Just means they're waiting for something for you. And what? look what happened with you. That It's a perfect example of, yeah. you know, you were meant to have that role. So that's fantastic. Thank you. Um, great transition to talking about the whole stability and the mental aspect of it all because whew, going into blonde, right? I mean, Marilyn Monroe, you talk about all of the stuff, the mental game there that, that went on in that woman's life, that, you know, the changing of who you are and the domination from the studio system and it's got to be this and you've got to do this. And, you, um, and the brilliance of her to adapt a persona. Right. Like yeah. like she, Marilyn was a persona. It was not a person. Yeah. It was a persona. Yeah. And she made that clear. I can turn it on and off and yet still abused and still just, the, you know, the victim of the system in those days. And it's just talk about that. I mean, I'm so excited for this movie. I know we should say this, though. This is based on a book that's a fictionalized version of Marilyn's life mixed with real right it, it, so there's some real characters that are real life people but then some fictional people and it's like this so i'm i'm so, I, I you talk you talk about yeah. that. <laughs> <I'm> oh. so <laughs> well i'm i i'm so excited to see it uh, just like you i mean just as i would be if i were not in the mo- in in the movie i'd be like oh this is so exciting and to see Ana de armas um transform into marilyn 
So she's already huge, right? right. She, she was, she just kind of stole the show in Knives Out uh-huh. against all these, you know, unbelievably established um, actors. I heard she was unbelievable in the new James Bond movie, right. which I haven't seen. Yep. Um, yep. She's already a Bond girl, but I think she's going to skyrocket be, beyond any of our um, expectations with this movie because watching her on set, she was so good. Mm. She was just so good. Yeah. Um, um, and there's um, like there's a strength and a fragility that she was able to um, she was able to have happen simultaneously um, that I think um, will be quite incredible to see because I was able to see it you know for the, for the scenes that were we were in together I can't wait to see it over who knows how, how long a two year right. a two hour two hour um, uh, film two and a half I don't know yeah. it's a long it's a long script and I know that they're trying to um, make it Netflix um, rated yeah, yeah and sense. yeah like NC seventeen right it's kind of like controversial right um, is yeah. that I mean um, without giving too much away or I, I if you know or don't know but I know in the book there's like this. If I if I remember reading it correctly, there there was this aud- a first audition for for Norma Jean when she goes in or whatever, and she's like brutally raped by the studio chief, yeah. um, and then is told she got the role because of her performance. Yeah. Um, are, do they address that in the film? Is there is there those type reasons why this thing is trying to be NC seventeen? Yes. Yes, okay. I believe that character's name is Mr. Z, although I might be um, right. uh, incorrect, uh, uh, faulty memory. Um, yeah, that, that's um, and I. So I think they're fighting to keep role, uh, scenes like that in because I think it actually taking it outside of like Marilyn Monroe in Hollywood, sexual assault, right, right, impacts people for a lifetime. Yeah, absolutely, and it and it impacts their behaviors and it impacts how they see the world and how protective they are of themselves against the world. How they might put up a persona to sort of um, not let people see the real them. So, um, so they're I I from what I read, they're they're fighting to keep scenes like that in there, um, and I think it's important because that's that's. That's not just from the time, and it's not just Marilyn that had that happen. Right, that's right. You know, right. Um, I was uh, I was reading yesterday. Eliza Dushku um, testified yes. in front of Congress yeah. about how she was um, uh, silently fired from her show Bull um, after after she complained about some um, awful jokes uh-huh. and uh-huh. things that were happening to her on set, and she said it was the worst experience of her career. But she also has, um, and I hope this is okay and appropriate for this po- this podcast. Yeah. But oh, if you listen to any of our past episodes, for it. Yeah. we rip on this situation. You're fine. <laughs> okay. Um, she talked about when she was doing True Lies as a kid, mm-hmm. and the stunt coordinator sexually assaulted her, right. and then failed to keep her safe, and she she fell and broke a rib, I believe. Yes. Um, so, so this doesn't just happen in the, the 1950s in the studio system of Hollywood, Los Angeles before social media, this is happening, um, um, uh, in, in still in the exact same way and still in different ways in shades and shadows. And, um, uh, and I think it could be a really powerful example of what one woman who we think of as iconic and glamorous had to go through. And how is that still happening? How Mm. much has Hollywood changed? Um, So, um, so if, if, if Netflix allows all, all parts of this film to be kept in, I think it's going to be as uh, incredibly powerful 
incredibly powerful. Mm. So. Because it yeah. does affect so much, like you said, with putting up the persona or how you're, how you do. But even, even beyond that, to the inability or ability for relationships. I mean, look yeah. at her relationship with Joe DiMaggio, or, or, or I mean, just so many people where she just was not able to make that work because yeah. that obviously, you know, when you have that type type of trauma happen, that makes it really hard to, to, to like be seriously involved with somebody because you're always fearful, you're always in doubt, and I mean, it's just so important and. I mean, you play, let's talk about your role, because a lot of people don't realize that the, the mental health game with Marilyn, it started with family. It wasn't yeah. just the studio system and, and Hollywood that kind of played that mental game with her, it started at home. So Ty, you play the nurse who took care of her mother, right? It's like yeah. in the psychiatric ward. So talk about that and the role a little bit. Yeah, well... Um... You're so you're so spot on that it's um, it's not just like um, she she went to Hollywood and that's when things went awry. Um, she lived in foster care as a kid. That's right. um, um, her mother had um, some pretty severe mental illness mm -hmm. and um, was hospitalized. And Marilyn was placed with families. Um, uh, and um, Sorry, my mind is going a million different places. No, you're um, you're um, uh, so we shot in this um, abandoned uh, care facility in a place called Diamond Bar, which is kind of far away and in the middle of nowhere. Um, um, and the the women who um, filled in the atmosphere, what are typically called background actors or the extras, gave incredible performances that I don't know we'll ever quite see um, uh, get get as much sort of light shined on them as possible mm. because they're in the background. But these women were, um, uh, they, they had done so much research and were dressed in what looked like burlap sacks, you oh, know, yeah. and were sort of unshowered and like chain smoking. And some of them had um, um, uh, intellectual disabilities, but were sort of grouped in with those who had... Um, mm. Um, emotional uh, disorders as well. Um, so just to sort of see that in action, it um, kind of takes your breath away. And so for Marilyn to be already in that system for That's so right. many years before anyone knew her as Marilyn Monroe um, is quite powerful. In fact, I think she married her first husband maybe at 17 just to get out of foster care. Right. Wow. Um, so, to, I mean... Her first, mm, you talked about like Joe DiMaggio and um, um, Arthur Miller, um, right. who are played by Bobby Cannavale and Adrian Brody in the movie. Um, her uh, that her marriage is having trouble, but if the first time you have a marriage, it's because you just wanted to get out of foster care because of abuse or neglect or whatever, and you're just not set up for success unless you have massive amounts of therapy, you know, <laughs> and like right. trauma healing. Um, um, uh, but even when she did do massive amounts of therapy, she was seen as sort of a wacky, a wacko, you know, yeah. she needs all this stuff and she has her analyst with her all the time. So, um, yeah, I just think it's going to be an incredible movie when, when it's out on Netflix. Yeah. yeah wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, whew, they should hire you for the marketing department. Just say it. <laughs> that, was, that was incredible. Like, I'm a huge fan already anyway, and that made me even more like, oh, my gosh, yeah. And you get it. You get it. Like, see, just I'm like I said at the top of the show, hard, hardcore Marilyn Monroe fan. And so I love talking to people who get it, like that there's so much more than just what you know. And, you know, totally. it's just so good. So good. Totally. Oh, my totally. gosh. I know. I got, I got like, goosebumps. I'm, yeah. I'm like, yeah. ready to watch it right now. Is there any sort of release date at the moment or 
Uh, no, I thought it was actually going to be out around. I, I thought it was going to be out around this time this year because right, right. I, I really do think she will win awards for this. Oh, yeah, I think so too. Um, uh, um, I do think it's that they're they're looking at sort of um, getting it from an NC seventeen to perhaps yeah. an R rating. Um, um, but we shot it about half a year before the pandemic, mm. so. Um, so we even shot it before the the Bond movie that she filmed. So right. it's it's been wrapped for quite a while. Um, I just think they're sort of ironing out a couple of yeah, details, to navigate yeah. everything. So unfortunately, yeah. maybe another year because like like award season, we know when it is, right? You put yes. it through, so we could be December of twenty twenty two. But fair to be fair, it uh, like from hearing you just talk about her performance, it's. Do you, you gotta hold it? You gotta hold it for award season, right? Like, I mean, totally. it's the right yeah. thing to do. It's the right yeah. thing to do. <laughs> and I mean, here here is the hardest question of the whole entire interview. I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready. Ready. Do you like jelly beans? <laughs> do you like popcorn? Ooh, yes, I like jelly beans and popcorn. We just discovered today, right before the show, that they make jelly bean flavored, or no, popcorn flavored -flavored jelly jelly beans. beans? Yes. A Jelly Belly brand? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, I know about this. They're delicious. Yeah, yeah, they're good. They're so delicious. (laughs) Yes. Because because there's, because, well, for me, anyway, um, (laughs) there's like the popcorn flavor, but it's also sweet. It's not like... Yeah. Um, okay. So the Jelly Belly factory is in Wisconsin. Oh, oh see? Okay. Well, then the right full there. Full circle. Full circle. Full circle. Wow. Who knew that was coming all the way back around? Right? That's fantastic. I, I just had a feeling to bring this up. I just had That's a so feeling. Funny. That's so great. I, we, I, we were literally eating mouthfuls before the show. Like, yeah. It's like, just oh like, come on, let's try it. That's awesome. That's oh. awesome. I oh love that. Goodness. Okay. Well, we now we know what you've been watching because it's Shondaland everything, right? And so, and we know, okay, so we normally ask that kind of fun stuff because, oh, the pandemic or oh, when you were in lockdown, what were you watching and everything? But we got that. So we want to know because I I think you probably have a good one. I just, I'm, I'm banking on this. I think so. Um, what is your most embarrassing moment on stage or, or you know, filming that you, that you were just horrified by when it happened but kind of, kind of laugh at it now? Okay. Can I tell you an audition story? Sure. Of course. Absolutely. Okay, I was auditioning for a. Oh, it's bad. I was auditioning for a commercial, and it was for a um, cough drop. Um, uh, Hall's cough drop. So um, um, it's it's. Uh, I was like a store cashier at a grocery store, and this drill sergeant is like screaming in my face. Um, um, uh, and uh, and this older gentleman who was dressed in his like you know, old army gear was screaming in my face and his breath was so bad <laughs> that I vomited. Oh, oh no, no. I was not expecting that. That oh. I vomited. <laughs> and, um, um, and, and, um, so, so we finished a take and they're like, okay, we're going to set up. And I said, I'm so sorry. Oh God, I'm so sorry. And I grabbed the garbage can and vomited in the room. And I was like, uh, and then I, st- uh, when I was done, I was like, um, I'm gonna go take this to the bathroom. So I, I took it into the bathroom, threw it away, and I, I came back and I was like, "Should we do another one?" Uh, yeah, right. um, um, but his his um, I felt so bad for him because it's that kind of bad breath where you're like, "Oh, your insides are not good." Like, like, <laughs> like your your organs are on like they're, they're not. It's, 
So how did right. how did that end up going? Did you get the role? <laughs> I didn't get the role. I was never invited back to audition there. Um, and I feel like I could have. Um, I feel like I could have told them, like, just FYI, this is why I threw up. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, <laughs> but I didn't want to embarrass that. Right. Man. See, and, and so like, I. I so I thought I'd just come on here and tell the story. Yeah, you know? I mean, yeah. look, professional yeah. all the way. And how rotten is that? You are a complete professional. You don't rat the guy out. And I feel like you didn't get the role but they, because of the guy with bad breath. That yeah. is just so not cool. But it's oh. a great story. It's a great story. Maybe, Thank you. maybe it should have been about breath mints instead of cough drops. Right. The whole it thing would have been, been like, yeah. you need a breath mint. <laughs> maybe that would have been better. I don't know. Oh, my oh, goodness. goodness. Yeah, that was really rough. Okay, so so one more thing before we kind of wrap it up or whatever, because you are clearly a very intelligent woman. You, you clearly have a really strong grasp of the industry and how it all works and everything. And my mind is circling back to the top when you were talking about ages right you got to get in at certain ages and you got to get in for, for certain things and unfortunately i think that's just a beast that's still happening especially with women in the industry right or wrong and it's definitely wrong but it is what it is um any goals to move behind the camera because i feel like that's the transition right like when they age you out which is total bullshit but when they age you out right any any kind of uh, ambitions for that do you see yourself moving behind the camera in some sort of a capacity yeah, absolutely. Well, I um, would love to have a say in the kind of stories that I tell, mm-hmm. um, uh, which just sort of naturally, um, um, outside of sort of the age aging out of it, makes me um, makes me very interested in producing. Sure. Um, when I um, my first couple of years in LA, I produced um, a short film, and it was a, an adaptation of. Um, the book Fahrenheit 451 by oh, Ray Bradbury. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, um, I that had sort of been like an ultimate role that I would have wanted to play, an ultimate type. Um, so I adapted a little piece of it and filmed it, and um, um, I actually got it to Ray before um, this is you know when he was still with us here on Earth. Sure, I, I got it to him, and he loved it, and left a voicemail that I um, that I like transcribed and still look at from time to time. Oh when my I gosh, it. that's awesome. Yeah, um, um, and and it was hard because I was doing it myself. It was really hard. I mean, it's set in the future, and I was trying to find a location and um, uh, spent a lot more money than I uh, had to um, rent a location. I rented a cemetery because I feel like even even in the future – hopefully cemeteries will still remain, you know, right. um, uh, I couldn't do any special effects, but I was like, cemeteries will hopefully remain. Right. Um, so, so I would like to do more producing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, um, a friend of mine from college, uh, recommended me for a short film. Uh, and we did it about two and a half years ago, had a freaking blast together. And the guys who I did it with, who I was meeting for the first time, we're hoping to sort of spin that into a feature, um, uh, that we can do. And, um, I love, I'd love to, I'd love to know more about that. Even if I don't get a, uh, credit or, you know, have that as an official job, I'd love to see what other people do behind the scenes Mm, so that perhaps I can, um, uh, I'd like to collect all the nice people in LA and produce things with them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, kudos to you because producing is no joke. It is not oh, easy no. and it yeah. is challenging and and especially when you're doing it with no money and you're mm-hmm. trying to do that. So we know we yeah. had to rent that college and yeah, oh boy, that was not cheap. And I was like, oh, that's a bit more money than we thought. Uh, yeah. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, oh so, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're right there with you and God bless you for doing it because I don't hear anybody a whole 
lot of people say, I want to produce. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, no, no. But uh, good. Oh, yeah. Good. We need talk more about, qualified talk about producers. Me. Yes, and talk about needing some, you know, mental health services. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yes. I want. I want to produce. That's I should right. get a therapist on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, therapists are lining up all as you speak. Totally. It's like, okay, all right. That's so great. That's so great. Well, listen. Thank you so much for coming on and getting a little crazy with us on Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Yes, we appreciate mm-hmm. it. And I mean, we could have talked for like two more hours. Oh, absolutely. You're just so fun, so down to earth, and full of all of this knowledge. I would love to know if you had a little study guide of everything that you compiled, <laughs> learning and interviewing people before you went out to LA. I mean, that's just so freaking cool. Maybe you should write a book. Maybe the study guide about going out to LA. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that so much. I too could have chatted with you guys uh, for several more hours. I I, um, (laughs) appreciate the kindness and the camaraderie. Oh, absolutely. And uh, hey, not only open invite to come back on the show because you're just an absolute gem to talk to and everything, but hopefully maybe some down down the line we'll collaborate on something because, oh my gosh, you're just behind the camera or in front of the camera. You're just fantastic. I Can't imagine that. that we would not want to work with you. So, I mean, that'd be uh, just amazing. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Of course, of course. And let everybody know where you can follow you because, you know, it's all about social media now. (laughs) Sure, it is. Um, uh, So my handles on Instagram and Twitter are Colleen Foy. My website is ColleenFoy.com. Fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, not very very interesting, but but truth in advertising, it's Colleen Foy. (laughs) There you go. There you go. I love it. I love it. Well, take care and uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Thank you guys so much. Really You're appreciate welcome. it. Thank, Thank you. you. Have a good night. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Man, oh man. She was absolutely amazing. Oh my gosh. That smile and just the infectious, like, cheerful attitude and everything. But man, dove deep. Yeah. Oh my goodness. She 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 was not scared to get into it. Exactly, man. Exactly. And I wasn't kidding either. She should really write a book of her little study guide of all the interviews and different yes. things. I feel like that would be very successful. Oh my gosh. If you're thinking about getting into acting, read this study guide. Right. <laughs> right. Just spiral it up. It could be just like a little checklist kind of. Oh exactly. my gosh. She'd make a killing off that. She was absolutely amazing and so humble and just so willing to help other people out too. I just unbelievable. I I love good people. Exactly. Uh, and she is clearly good people. So. Agreed, man. Agreed. Thank you again, Miss Colleen, for coming on the show. Thank you.